Hello, on this week of Live with DVG, uh, we're going to be interviewing uh, two people. This is the first interview with Daniel Lynch. He's the founder of Medical Bill Gurus. I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, also, uh, I just want to say we're now available on more platforms. We're now on Google Podcasts, Breaker, uh, we're on Pocket Casts, and uh, soon to be uh, Stitcher and Apple. Oh yeah, we're also on Radio Public, but um, I want you all to go check it out. Um, well, I'm trying to create more content, uh, podcasts almost every week, every day. Um, it's very hard to do. It takes a lot of effort, but I hope you guys really enjoy this episode. I think Daniel is a very interesting guy. We're really going to get into business. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. I hope you guys enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Welcome, Daniel Lynch. He is the president and co-founder of Medical Bill Gurus, a company that fights for patients and fills the void of medical billing transparency in the healthcare marketplace. He is a formal structural engineer in specifically the utilities industry, if I'm not wrong, uh, who discovered yep, the power of information and innovation and wanted to use it for good. Medical Bill Gurus will evaluate your medical bill and look for cost savings. The thing is, they don't get paid unless they actually find the cost savings. Um, Daniel's real strengths are empathy and positivity. I stumbled upon Daniel on Twitter for his forward-minded mentality. So let's welcome to the show, Daniel Lynch. All right. Hey, thanks, for ha- thanks for having me, my friend. Definitely appreciate it. Yeah. So I just want to kick off and uh, kind of curious as to how you went from Starkville Engineering to um, running a medical bill, medical billing company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so my background is, um, you know, like so many other millennials, I I had the mindset that college working nine to five was the dream job, right? Being a corporate engineer, you know, climbing the ladder. And one day, you know, I've I've always had an entrepreneurial bug. My first job uh, was pressure cleaning when I was 12 years old, door knocking, getting paid, you know, 13 bucks an hour, Um, you know, eventually worked at a grocery store. And I've always liked the idea of working for myself, right? And, but, you know, the reality is it's kind of hard to kind of make that jump, right? So I've taken a little bit where I would, I would take a jump, make some money in a startup, that startup would eventually go away. But eventually what I found is that my true skills as so many engineers are and should be is problem solving the ability to use numerical methods to interpret algorithms, do data analysis, and really look at quantifying different trends and industries, right? And so um, I I eventually, when I was an engineer, I had started a company, it was called Prepreneur with another guy and we were tutoring engineers and that company was a little hard to scale. Um, But it was eventually, unfortunately, when my dad passed away that I went crazy and I just said, you know, fuck it. Like, I can't be a corporate pawn anymore. I need to be able to go live my life. I want to go visit my mom. I want to travel. I want to do things. I want to have a different life. And so I kind of just jumped ship. Um, and long story short, uh, working with Prepineer, which is a very hard skill, business to scale, uh, I met my partner. Uh, his name's Alex LaPera, who actually has the medical billing knowledge. And he said, here's the deal, Daniel. There's a huge market right now with patient advocacy 
medical billing issues. Um, you know, you look at the state of healthcare in our country, and who doesn't agree that it's just a complete shit show and, and falling to pieces and just crumbling by the day? As we speak, we look at coronavirus and we look at how our infrastructure is about to be tested for the first time. And before it's even tested, people are saying it's going to break, right? Yeah. Um, and that's going to be leaving people with medical bills. It's going to be people leaving with health issues. And ultimately, what this is going to expose the underlying issue is that when you have chronic illness in America right now, a lot of people are just left to die. And so, you know, coronavirus is going to expose that even more. But the reality of what medical bill gurus and why I jumped into is my family had medical bills. Uh, my sister had some chronic issues with uh with Crohn's and autoimmune, my father had some health issues. My family filed bankruptcy for medical bills. A family make, you know, making a solid salary, um, you know, making good money. But the reality is, is so many people fall through the cracks. So the goal at Medical Bill Gurus is to provide a service where I take my engineering background, we take empathy, and we merge the two, and we try to find innovative solutions to help people with healthcare. And I just want to cur curtail this is that a lot of people, like you mentioned, uh, they see us on the front end doing the medical billing advocacy, the negotiations. A big portion of my market actually right now, and I'll just share this with you, is people who go to cash-based medical providers who have Lyme disease, cancer, and are pursuing treatments that are not covered by insurance, and us finding ways to bill them out, but they have to go spend to the tune of 25 to a quarter million in cash up front. And then we find ways to build on the back end, as well as help people who choose to do medical tourism and receive treatments in Mexico, Germany, Switzerland, Thailand, um, throughout the world. And so right now I have a core book of business in about 15 countries uh, that we do billing for with our patients who are seeking assistance. That is crazy. So this is actually worldwide. So you're doing it in countries with various types of healthcare systems? Yeah, yeah. So I would say about 25% of my business is in um, Mexico. So I know you follow me on Twitter. So you probably see me posting a lot about Tijuana. So yeah. I go to Tijuana almost every month. Is that because of the influx of medical tourism? Or is that just because Mexico is like the wild, wild west of healthcare? Well, well, because what it is is so the reality here is a lot of people don't understand our healthcare system and how it's really set up until they get chronic illness. So if you talk to someone who has, let's say, cancer, right? Let's say they have stage two, stage three chemotherapy isn't working. At some point, they may pivot to see, well, what are my options before I go do this really toxic round of chemo or radiation, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people might choose to go down the integrative functional medicine route, right? And so it ends up being that during the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 2000s, a lot of treatments were banned by the FDA, but cancer patients were flocking to Mexico because the cost of treatment's cheaper down there. They could still get a level of care, but they wanted to try something different because chemotherapy wasn't working. So, uh, you know, a lot of patients go down there to do hyperthermia, dendritic cell vaccines, immunotherapy drugs, hyperthermia, ozone. And the reality is, is that you fly into San Diego, you could take an Uber to the border and you're in Tijuana in less than 30 minutes. And you're in a different country, technically, that's not quite under the, the microscope of the FDA. And so people do different treatments down there. So what I do at Medical Bill Guru is along with my team in Houston and Denver, is we find ways to build those treatments, the approvable items to American insurance billing companies, okay? And so a lot of patients are going to Mexico to get these different treatments. In uh, and, and the alternative cancer movement, they say is actually started in Mexico. Um, I work with a clinic down there called the Oasis of Hope with Dr. Contreras. They've been in business since 1955. But they actually were one of the first ones to start the movement. And so we have, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many patients are going to Mexico. But then also Southern California, Orange County, L.A., 
uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, Tampa, Clearwater. These clinics are popping up all around the country because there's a huge need that people are sick of being told they need to be on a medicine for the rest of their life because of a blood work uh, that they did at lab, LabCorp or Quest. Um, and then the doctor says, well, I looked at your blood work for 15 minutes. For the rest of your life, you're going to have this prescription, right? A lot of people are like, you know what? Fuck that, right? Like, I, I, are you kidding me? Like, that's it, right? And so a lot of people who have the money, and your key fact is have the money, are choosing to go down functional, integrative, naturopathic routes where that same that same person, that same patient walks into their uh, their consult consultation room, maybe does a two to three even. I have one doctor in Florida. His name is Dr. Rick Spinagle, a mad scientist in the functional medicine world. He meets with patients for sometimes four to eight hours to really get into the backbones, looks at probably, you know, $10,000 worth of lab testing sometimes and does a PET scan of their brain and then he makes a conclusion, right? So the reality is, is that you could go to one doctor who's in network, who's going to give you 15 minutes and give you X, Y, Z, and you're not going to have to pay more than 25, 50 bucks. Or you can go spend $10,000, go see Dr. Spinagle, do these lab testing, look to see if you have okra toxin, your myotoxins, look if you have mold toxicity, see if you have underlying infections in your brain that no one's talking about, that everyone says is witchcraft, but the reality is, is why do so many people who have the money choose to go there and then they get the results? It's because they go to the nth degree of healthcare. But the reality is Medical Bill Gurus is the pioneer of this concierge cash-based medical ecosystem to actually build treatments out to the insurance. And just going back to everything, the way that this all goes around is empathy. And empathy is my superpower and it's how I built this business and how we've expanded and had 500% growth in the last six months. Now, that's really interesting when we talk about a cash based uh, medical system um i mean the i think you bring up some really good points first off the coronavirus is going to expose deep deep cracks in the uh, medical system in the healthcare system um i talked about that earlier this week um not just not just our our public policy but how our hospitals are able to handle it and how billing works and everything that encompasses the system, it's just going to be overwhelmed. Um, I also, well, I mean, uh, go ahead. Oh, I also found it very interesting um, in that, you know, in that like cancer, cancer patients are going overseas or across the border to get treatment. It kind of reminds me of Dallas Buyers Club, right? Where remember, well, those, are the, those are the same clinics I do billing for to some extent, you know? Oh, really? So like the exact same, yeah, I like mean, the same ones that were given well, I, uh, the auto. Well, I don't, I don't know. The, I don't know the exact one he went to, but the reality is, is that I work with, I would say, man, I think it's like 15, 20 clinics in Tijuana. Right. And so all these clinics, they do everything from cancer treatment, Lyme disease treatment, plastic surgery, uh, HIV treatment. I actually have a doctor down there who has HIV. I know, and he treats uh, HIV patients. Um, and I mean, and, and the reality is, is that the you could go across the border with a 90 day supply of a lot of drugs. Okay, and so I have a lot. I mean, here's the deal: is that how HIV was in the 80s and 90s is how Lyme disease is today. It is an epidemic. There are people who are afraid to say they have it. And this is how I built this business, why it revolves around empathy. And so you have, just like you talk about Dallas Buyers Clubs, I have people who have Lyme disease, parasites, mold toxicity that are going across the border acting like they're felons, bringing back like anti-parasitic drugs or anti-this drugs, anti-fungal drugs, uh, antibiotics, B12 shots, because they can't afford it in states. 
And so the, the reality is Dallas Fire Clubs is still going on. It's just not HIV anymore. Um, you know, you look at people who have chronic illness, cancer, et cetera. They're, they're in a predicament where they don't want to go down this pathway of conventional medicine in the U.S. of what's quote-unquote covered by the insurance. And they want to find things that are going to actually go down to the root cause. And so I'll tell you, some of the clinics I work with in Mexico are out of this world. I mean, being honest, I mean, I just talked to a clinic down there called Verilife. Um, I work with them and their patients. They're international, you know, and so they actually are getting ready to launch an antiviral package for coronavirus to basically say, hey, if you think you're immune compromised, let's give you some stem cells. Let's give you some alternative integrative therapies. Let's boost that immune system. So if you do get it, we'll drive up from Tijuana up to Beverly Hills, let's say. I think they said they would go as far north as Malibu. And basically what we'll do is they'll pick you up in a sanitized vehicle, okay, mm -hmm. with a sanitized driver that they vetted, doesn't have coronavirus, bring you to Tijuana, give you all these treatments and bring you back. And it would be like five ten thousand $10,000. So it basically defeats so you, the stereotype that we have of uh, medi medical care south of the border, right? Because I'm sure if you told people, oh, let's go south of the border, they're going to think to themselves at first, like, oh, it's probably subpar. But you're well, yeah, well, you know, our, our country is full of sheep, okay? And it's full of people who follow whatever they're told, right? And so they say, oh, this and this and that. I have plenty of people who say, you know, that, that clinic, it may not have the bells and whistles of a conventional hospital, but you know what? It cured my cancer or put it into remission or it, you know, it helped me in different ways. Um, I think that our country honestly is, is, you know, fucking retarded, to be honest for the most part and they believe everything they're told and so i tell people i say here's the deal you know you think i'm crazy i i trust these doctors in mexico i mean all you've got to always vet everybody right the reality is there is some sketchy players in mexico and tijuana is just a sketchy city to begin with um but the healthcare is fairly good there i mean I, a new market that's emerging is colombia medellin so i've had two three clinics pop up in medellin and, you know, what a lot of these clinics, you know, because I'm a big guy of global economics, politics. I, I'm not a big, you know, sheep, but I try to stay informed. And so a lot of people are, say, are saying that, you know, we may actually see a shift in medical tourism from Germany and Europe to South America because of coronavirus, because of how decimated Europe is going to be. I heard in Spain and Italy that the systems were completely overwhelmed um, yeah. and they've almost shut down. Um, but, like, I guess it... it it's very interesting because um, medical tourism is something people don't talk about in the healthcare industry. Um, and it's a lot more common than people think. Um, yes. But my main question is, what do, what do these countries in Latin America, why is their healthcare cheaper? Now, I know you were, when you were telling me that, I think of hospitals and I think of how much money they waste on dumb shit. I mean... Yeah, they treat patients like they're in a hotel room and not patients, and they care more about what food they're going to serve than maybe saving money on uh, life-saving procedures yeah. and drugs. I just well, I see so much waste at hospitals; it's unbelievable. Um, I don't know why. Well, because well, it's not based on it's not based on outcome-based medicine, and so you know the reality here is if we had a healthcare system that looked at outcomes instead of billing out 
you know, financial revenues, et cetera, we would have a different system, mm-hmm. but that's not how it works. Right. And so the difference in South America and, and, and again, I, I want to shift your perspective because you live in a different ecosystem than I do with healthcare. And so I have patients who go spend a hundred grand in the States. Domestic medical tourism is just as big, right? I yeah. get the term medical tourism is basically anybody who's getting ready to drop more than five or 10,000 cash on treatment that's not covered by their insurance at face value, okay? And so Scottsdale is a huge medical tourism mecca. People come from all around the world to some of those clinics there, okay? But the reality is that those clinics, you know, people drop in 60 to 120 grand, okay? They can go to Colombia or Mexico for 20 to 30,000, receive the same treatments, actually maybe receive some treatments that are even allowed in the U.S., okay? Um, you know, what, what kind of is the curveball for those countries is that Donald Trump did pass the right to the right to try law when people have a terminal illness. So people are trying all these, you know, alternative integrative treatments. But the reality is these clinics have been pioneering some of these different things that aren't allowed in the states. And so you have a lot of people who have, again, I, I encourage everybody listening to this, including you, my friend, Lyme disease it is an epidemic. It is yes, bigger it is. than coronaviruses, in my opinion, and you're only going to see it expand over the next decade. Okay. And so I have people who have Lyme disease, which is a lifelong illness that people debilitates people, okay? And they're spending 20, 30 grand a year on treatments. The reality is, is they can't pay full price in the States. So what is it? They do kind of maintenance tune-ups of their immune system in Mexico, Colombia, Germany, Thailand, Greece. I mean, I mean, there's clinics everywhere. I mean, there's these clinics are popping up everywhere because, you know, the entire world to some extent is going to have an awakening and maybe coronavirus is a catalyst of how toxic our world is and how vulnerable we are to different pathogens, right? And so maybe it's not coronavirus, maybe it's a tick bite at your daughter's soccer game in a year from now, right? That exposes you to Borrelia, Babesia, mm-hmm. uh, triggers an underlying mast cell activation, and then you're on your deathbed, it feels like. So, um, oh, yeah, Lyme you know, and that's the world that I live in. So, uh, The case of Lyme disease, uh, Lyme disease cases have actually skyrocketed in Wisconsin because uh, – you know, because the lime, the the tick season has increased. Like it, it's gone farther because temperatures are warming, and they're essentially living longer throughout the year or being more active. Um, well, 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 well. Here's the deal with Lyme disease, my friend. You know, if you go look at the CDC and you look at their statistics, they estimate three hundred thirty thousand new cases a year. Right? That's more that's than crazy. breast cancer. Okay, and that's a chronic illness. Which is cr- that is a chronic illness yes. that you have for the rest of your life. Okay. Um, and here's the deal is now there are studies that say potentially that Lyme disease is transmitted, transmitted from a mother to its fetus, to the fetus, as well as sexually transmitted potentially. Okay. Oh, I didn't um, even some know people the agree. Part. Some people disagree. It's, it's up to, it's up to a lot of, um, you know, debate right now, but what I'm trying to get at here in hammer home is it's an epidemic. And so what the scariest part about Lyme disease and what the CDC will even say is there's no effective way to even test it. Okay, so they're admitting there's 330,000 people. But if you actually look up Lyme disease, it's known as the great imitator because the majority of people who have Lyme disease were actually previously diagnosed with MS, ALS, lupus, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, all these other diagnoses when the uh, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's, actually it was an underlying uh, vector-borne infection from the Borrelia of the Lyme disease of the tick itself, okay, that, you know, I always like to describe is the way that I see Lyme disease is imagine a corkscrew because it's a spirochete. So if you're familiar with the biological structure of that, it looks like a corkscrew, right? And it's the same as syphilis. So it's a it's a very malicious type, um, you know, 
pathogen, right? And so what it does is imagine it, it's spiraling through your wrist and you get wrist pain. Well, that may be known as rheumatoid arthritis or arthritis or yeah. joint pain, or you just have aches and pains. But if you have that infection and it goes to your brain, then you have neurological Lyme disease. Well, then you might, you might have lesions on your brain. And then maybe, or something, and maybe they're saying that that's Lyme disease, okay? Or, or it's multiple cirrhosis before they call it Lyme disease. Or you have, you know, Lou, Lou Gehrig's ALS. They actually have shown, I have doctors, and again, these are world-renowned doctors, and a lot of people listening to this are going to think I'm crazy. And I always, I actually did a tweet today, I don't know if you saw it, but outliers are the ones who change the world. I say yeah. that if you think I'm fucking crazy about Lyme disease, come talk to me in 10 years. Because I'm be fucking my businesses. I'm helping these people and I'm trying to find ways to do it because I believe in what's going on. And it is an epidemic. I have hundreds of people call me every month at a minimum with Lyme disease who don't know what to do. And it's an epidemic. If you even go look at like, let's say Michael J. Fox, you got Parkinson's. Well, you know what he had before Parkinson's? He had Lyme disease, right? And so what do you think may have caused his Parkinson's? It might have been Lyme disease, you know? Yeah. So um, it's, it's crazy, you know? Um, you know, there's a lot of celebrities and I'm under um, non-disclosure, so I can't really say, but there's a lot of big celebrities out there who go to my clinics that I've met who are getting treated. I'll tell you right now, if you go look up, you know, recently, you know, Justin Bieber had Lyme disease, um, you know, Yolanda Hadid had Lyme disease, Avril Lavigne had Lyme disease, Shania Twain had Lyme disease. Um, you know, there's all these different celebrities out there who have had it. Alec Baldwin had it. Um I forgot the guy from Zoolander had it. Like ben all Stiller. these people have had Lyme disease and said, you know, I literally fell to my knees because of this disease. And I, I thought I was going to die. Even though I had money, I didn't know what to do. So they go to these same clinics I do. And so the reality is that someone who's a celebrity like Justin Bieber can't go forward, you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 of treatment at the Amen clinic with Daniel Amen. Um, but the you know the honest truth is is that you know a lot of people they just they can't afford these treatments which is why medical bill gurus is so big but my business i mean if you go google lyme disease insurance um on google i'm number one because my background of all of this is i actually know nothing about medical billing okay i'm a digital marketing and i'm a sales guy so i focus on lead gen for my business just like any other digital marketing agency would because i actually i don't know if i told you but i actually have four businesses to some extent um and so medical bill gurus is one of them my other main one's a digital marketing agency and so with that one i basically have you know created and optimized the the way that i bring people into my ecosystem provide value deploy empathy and ultimately generate conversions for my business to where we have we've had exponential growth um, and so, you know, the reality here is that my business, and I hate saying this, is that I went all in on Lyme disease to help people and, uh, my business is growing exponentially because of it. Okay. Um, the way that I always want to build business and I'm trying to do this for my agency. If you look at my Twitter, I know you follow me on Twitter, so I'll keep going to my tweets. I keep talking about contingency deals for digital marketing is I think that the next recession, which we, there's no doubt we're probably in the next recession is going to bring out the fourth industrial revolution in yeah. the advent advancement of machine learning and AI into every aspect of our lives. And I, I want to be the one that provides strategic AI machine learning solutions. Like I've already deployed with medical bill gurus for everything on a contingency basis, but going back to medical bill gurus, I don't ever want to charge a sick person a dollar unless I get them results. End of story. That's the way I roll. I'll fall on the sword. I'll pay my, my people to, to do the work, but I'm not going to charge a soccer mom who spent a hundred thousand mortgage her home and, and may or may not have gotten better uh, anything unless I get results for her. And that's a, that's 
I mean, empathy is the motivator because if you can't provide anything of value to anyone, then you shouldn't yeah. be providing anything. But I, I, so empathy, it's empathy first media, correct? That's yeah. That's my digital yeah. marketing agency. So, I mean, um, I know, I know you have kind of a overlap with Gary Vaynerchuk's idea of empathy and, um, well, he, well, he's the one that got me onto it, man, because, you yeah. know, I went, I went through a, I went through a stage when I quit my job a couple years ago. And I think every entrepreneur does right. Where you kind of really doubt yourself. Right. Yeah. And I look back and I had, I had kind of a fucked childhood to some extent, just some things happen. And I look back on, you know, the different scenarios I was in growing up and kind of where I got into it. And I really doubted myself when I was about 26, 27, I'm 30 now, but it was right when I quit my engineering job. And I remember watching this Gary V video, right? And I, I love Gary V. I know. And he talked about empathy, 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 empathy. And I was like, well, what the fuck is empathy? I'd honestly never heard of that. And I realized that it was the ability to look through someone else's eyes and what they experience, right? And he said it's the most undervalued thing. And it clicked with me that I said, you know what? If I provide empathy to people who are just turned away and told there's no one going to help, that I can actually get the best. So I said, I'm always going to put empathy first, business second. And I started my digital marketing agency with the idea is that empathy is the same thing as marketing. But how do you get an end user to go down your pipeline, convert, give you their credit cards, write you a check, unless you make them happy and you make it so that they're winning. And empathy, it was Gary V. And I looked, I, I was, you know, I was, I was in my, I was, I was at home one day doing my thing, just, you know, working. I said, fuck, man, empathy is my superpower. That when people come to me, they said that they could tell me anything. They enjoy talking to me. They like how I get down. It's not because I'm an engineer. It's not because I can code. It's, it's because I, I can look someone in the eye and understand what their emotions they're going through. And so when you could do that in, in business and have people generally feel like they're getting value from you, the, the, the world is endless. The opportunities are, are, there's no limit. And also, if you really think about it, I mean, you look at like successful businessmen and I was, I saw Gary Vee actually release a video because people were stockpiling sanitizer and toilet paper. I don't know if you saw that. And he said, it's not just about how much money you make. It's how you make your money. And yeah, if you, and everything like, a lot of companies and a lot of people that create things, they only see it in their own eyes. And not only is that business-wise very foolish, but you're also just being kind of a dick. Like, if you're going to expect people to buy your product, it should bring value to their lives. It should make their lives better. So empathy is literally, it is underrated. I mean, if if I'm selling you something, I mean, I have to think about how you're going to use it and how it brings value to your day. If I don't do that, I go out of business. Or if I am doing that and I'm still in business, long term, I'm not going to last long. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I, you know, and everybody who knows me and talks to me, I personally have been, you know, I, I follow Gary Vee a lot. I've been prepping for the recession for about three, four years now. Okay. Oh, me too. And the way, and so I have all these different sources of income, different clients, and so the way that I have perfected my my marketing strategy, okay is I actually for a while would take on my first client that I took on for my marketing agency was a business called back in a flash chiropractic and massage in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And I met this guy and I, and at the time I was feeling really good about medical bill gurus. We had just had exponential growth. The pipeline was healthy. I felt really good. Right. But I had never really pitched a business on marketing for them. Right. And so I kind of, you know, faked it a little bit cause we all fake it. So we make it a little bit. And I yep. said, here's the deal, dude. He said, I can't afford more than 500 bucks a month. I said, here's the deal. 
$500 a month doesn't make it worthwhile for me whatsoever. I want to come in here and I'm going to do everything for free. And I want you to know that if I do a good job and you don't compensate me, that I'm going to basically take everything I did for you and I'm going to find your competitor down the street and I'm going to go business to business until one of them hits. And so when I did that, within three months, I had them front page of Google for the money keywords, number one in the map pack and ranking on Alexa. Okay. And so when I did that, he was like, dude, I just want to give you a percentage of business profits. I don't want you going anywhere. Right. And it planted the seed because you know what? I took someone who didn't want to pay more than $500 a month and I got triple to quadruple what he was offering by providing empathy and results. And so the biggest thing I think is going to happen, this industrial, the fourth industrial revolution, this recession, is we've never had something like this in the age of digital marketing. And so all these fuckers who are on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, selling courses and oh trainings and doing all this stuff that are all completely pieces of shit <laughs> oh, and don't get results. More. I think they should go get a tent. I think they should just go get a tent and start lining up for food stamps because they're fucked. They are. And I'm going to go steal every, every one of their fucking clients <laughs> and I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to go to your client and say, oh, you didn't play in this guy? I'm going to do it for free because I, I, I basically want to – my digital marketing agency, I don't like to call it agency. I'd rather call it a collective. That's what – if you go to my website, call it a collective, okay? I have really good resources that I provide value to, and I have perfected the art of lead generation for certain industries. And so I do a, a majority – about 80% of my agency is all on contingency, all right? And yep. so – who do you think they're gonna? A business is gonna pay for when the recession hits the fan and they have no money? They're gonna pay someone who's up front and can't guarantee results, or say we're aligned with this. I either fall on the sword with you, or we're fucking killing it, right? Yep. So that's that's how I built it. And so you know, I've gone into certain verticals, primarily roofing, um, you know, met medical things, uh, you know, general contracting. <laughs> Um, you know, different verticals that I'm getting ready to really go all in on even more when shit hits the fan, because I, um, you know, I, I personally just don't know what's going to happen. Like none of us do. Right. It's going to be, but I know that. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying, I was just saying it was going to be interesting. Cause remember when we talked about what the pricing of the attention was going to be, if it was going to be over yes. or under and I, well, I, it's going to be interesting. Well, you know, I'll, I'll I actually, I so I actually um, spoke with my clients today, and what I'm actually recommending them do is actually go apply for SBA loan when, um, when the because they're going to do an SBA loan for small, but they have to, they have to bail out small businesses, okay? Yeah. Is I want all my clients to get SBA loan, and we take that money not to pay me, but we quadruple down on ad spend when people are retracting. I want to, I want to, oh. I want to go through the front lines. And say, so, you know what? I do agree we're retracting, but you know what? People still have a need for X, Y, Z. So I'll be honest. My home remodeling client, they're fucked. No one's going to go drop a hundred grand on a kitchen right now. Okay? No, they're not. But for my chiropractic client, you know, people are still going to want to pay 30, 40 bucks to get that kink out of their neck when they tweak it and they're in a bunch of pain. Okay. So that's not going away anywhere. Coronavirus, definitely. Cur- what the biggest curveball for me is recession. I'm Gucci with the recession. I'm not worried about that. Travel ban, though, in domestic travel ban, international travel ban, that, that is a curveball I don't think any of us saw. And so for me, that does worry. The idea of a curfew, 
you know, walking down, there's going to be a time where the market is going down. Right. But like, I actually spoke to three of my people on my team today. I spoke to a couple of clients over the weekend. And what we're doing is we're basically saying during that downtime, we're going to be, we're working on getting all of our marketing funnels in place, everything, our, our ads in place. And as soon as the market opens up again, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be like, we're in Vegas and we're going to put all the chips up and we're just going to flood the market with ads and ad spend and get names, emails, phone numbers, tracking pixels installed, and basically get that influence when it's at its rock bottom cheapest price and find ways to monetize that. That's going to be crazy. I just think, I mean, you, you blow my mind with it because I don't, A, nobody's thinking about a recession. I mean, I, I mean, people that are in business actually are, but the average Joe isn't thinking about it. He thinks it's all going to get better. Um, and also, yeah. I mean, marketing and advertising are going to be totally different. And we're in the digital age and we're in an age where social media is worth billions. And if we go into this recession, just to see how the market reacts and to see what people do. And like you said, home remodeling, like nobody's going to spend on a kitchen or a bathroom. They're not going to spend that shit because they can't spend money on dumb shit anymore. They have to spend money on their needs and their, you know, their needs and the things that they have to have. And that's going to be well, different yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, like, let's say roofing, right? Roofing is another industry that is super sexy because people are still going to get hit by hail. They're still going to get hit by hurricanes. We look at tornado, Nashville tornadoes. The reality is, is we don't. People don't want to have to deal with things, right? Like, I would say probably people like dentists might suffer unless someone actually has like needs a root canal and they can't deal with it, right? But let's say a roof is kind of a pain, but the reality is most insurance companies cover a roof. Roofing yep. contractors probably make like 20, 30, 40,000 off a roof. And they get, I mean, their their business model is, is rock solid. And so what I'm doing for the last three years, I've been building a roofing vertical because I saw that coming. And so I actually have like 40 roofing domains. So if I have a client comes to me in, uh, let's say, Iowa, I have the domain desmoinroofingcontractor.com. I, in, 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 in Colorado, I have boulderroofingcontractor.com, commercecityroofingcontractor.com. So I'm ready to go in and do joint ventures, provide a ton of value up front, and basically just say, I want you to cover the ad spend. But here's the deal. I'll cover the ad spend and double down even more. I just need a legally binding document that says that you're going to give me my money. I'm going to charge you more gross percentage points on the back end. Um, and I need access to your books. And if we can have that, then I'll be your joint venture partner, but I'm not going to fuck over myself. I've got so many mouths to feed now with some of the people who work with me that I'm not fucking around. Like, you know, I'm trying, I'm done with people saying, Hey, Daniel, get in here on the ground floor. And you know, you could do the marketing for free and we'll give you, you know, what? go fuck yourself. Right. I, I want to find people who know how to close, who know how to generate money um, and can crush the game and the story. I mean, that's just the reality. And, you know, what we're going to find, though, is when this recession hits and it is an industrial revolution. OK, I want you to realize this is like I think this will be like the printing press, because what's going to happen is we live in a society, in my opinion. And I know we're going to be off topic into a tangent, that's but we fine. have people who are entitled to think that they deserve $15 an hour minimum wage because they, they wake up and they shit every day and they breathe, which I get. I get, right? We're all humans. We deserve stuff. But here's the deal, fucker. If a robot can do your job, why the fuck is anybody going to pay you? Go fuck yourself. End of story. We live in a savage world. Go tell the person who was, go, who was born in fucking El Salvador how tough your life is or in fucking the Sudan of Africa and tell them how tough your life is, right? 
And the reality is, is that this coronavirus is going to be a wake-up call for all of us of how complacent we are with our lives and that the average American has fucking no skills and their job is completely useless. And what's going to happen is Mary Jo, who's had a job for 40 years as a receptionist, is going to get replaced by Google Duplex, a couple lines of code, and I'm going to be able to remote in from anywhere in the world from my basement during a quarantine, update the code to do her job, and then yep. she's on food stamps. And that's what's going to happen, whether we like it or not. How do you deal with that? I mean, how do you how do you how do you prepare a workforce for that? It seems almost. I mean, it. Well, it, it's well, big, well. Here's the deal: we, we we've been we, we've been you know the most the most common job in America. I mean, the most common college degree in America is psychology degree. Okay. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I know. How many how many people fucking become a psychologist? No, with a psychology they don't. Degree? Like, oh, it, it made so me more well rounded. Blah blah. Well, why the fuck are you working at Starbucks if it made you more well rounded? Okay. I know. It didn't fucking do any. It didn't fucking do anything. They have a hundred grand. So what's interesting right now, and this is what I think is, you know, I, I so I, I like to follow current events. I'm not a big. I fucking hate Fox or CNN, but I do watch them because you got to watch some news. But I get a lot of my news from my Reddit. Okay, I love fucking reddit okay uh, but the reality that. here is you know what the first thing donald trump did this week that they're working on if they haven't done already is they're deferring student loan debt okay yeah what do you think is the number one cause of debt in our country it's student loans so you have all these people who have these fucking bullshit college degrees that were told they're going to go make all this money and the reality is they have nothing more than a fucking piece of they have nothing more than a diploma all right, in my opinion. And here's the deal. I went, I went to school for engineering. So if you want to talk to me and say I'm wrong, come fucking tell me. I'm telling you, I don't even need my fucking engineering degree that I do right now, okay? But yeah. I have a degree, so I can say what the fuck I want. And what I'm telling you is that the averageology degree, unless you found a way to actually use that, was not necessary to become who you are today, right? And so, you know, I, I look at a lot of different things. And what do you think is going to happen when someone who has this, like, you know, $80,000 job where they're really just a professional paper pusher, okay? And they're like, well, I got my blah, blah, blah degree. Well, here's the deal. I just automated your fucking job. So who do you think your your employer is going to want to pay? They're going to want to pay me. And so I've been preparing this. And so, you know, my big pitch when I come into businesses right now, and I've been telling them, I say, hey, here's the deal. You know, I want to make it so you only need one salesperson instead of five, and you only need to have maybe a couple qualifiers on the front end versus 10, because I'm going to write a lead scoring algorithm, plant tracking cookies, rectify them, create personas, and then use different tools such as segment, which is similar to how Amazon retargets you when you visit a product or good, mm -hmm. and actually tell people who are the ones who are likely to, to spend money on, Okay. And so I'm empathetic though, right? Like I don't want Mary Jo to lose her job, right? But it sucks to suck, all right? And I know a lot of people are going to be, you know, displaced or whatever. But here's the deal. Just realize if you don't have a fucking actual skill set that a homeless man doing crack on the street doesn't have, or if, he, if that homeless man on the street got sober and cleaned up his act and did fucking 10 hours on YouTube and he could do your job, why the fuck are they paying you 80000 for it, Okay. Um, and I think that's the reality. When I was an engineer, a quote unquote structural engineer, one of the most prized STEM jobs, congratulations, dude. All they are is fucking professional paper pushers. Oh, we yeah. don't ever do any calculations. There's no real problem solving. I was fucking bored at my job. Fucking bored. Okay. And so, the, you know, when we look at where, you know, even engineering jobs, you could probably automate a lot of STEM jobs to some extent, because in my opinion, there's two types of people in STEM. There's the ones who can actually solve problems and the ones who just got the degree, okay? I like to solve problems. I taught myself the code. I learned everything I know off of YouTube and banging my head on the desk in my basement until 2 in the morning, okay? So, you know, 
I, when people say, well, I need to go to college for this, the most successful people I know are the ones who fucking didn't go to college and just learn shit and make shit happen, okay? And so I think, you know, as people start to work from home, you know, going back to that next industrial revolution, you're going to see that for the first time ever in society, people are like, you know what, I actually can work from home. I get more done. So so why why are Fortune 500 companies paying bajillions of dollars for all this overhead in office with a water cooler when maybe yep. they should just be giving people KPIs and say, if you get XYZ done, you're done for the day. Versus when I was a fucking engineer, you know, I could be fucking busting my balls and everyone's like, oh, you didn't get enough done, Daniel. But, you know, because I wanted to leave a little early to go to physical therapy because I blew my fucking knee out. But then the fucking girl down the, down the way is decorating her fucking cubicle for the Halloween party. Oh, no. But you know what? That, that, but dad's billable because she's in the fucking office. But because I wanted to leave early and got more done, it doesn't count, right? That's the reality here, right? So, like, you know, I think if we had more of a outcome-based corporate structure we'd be good but everyone's like oh eight to five whatever well that's about the fucking change it's right culture, man. because here's the deal is if a robot gets results done and and you don't even need that robot it could be in a fucking server in the middle of nowhere gets more done than the fucking girl decorating the cubicle but the girl in the cubicle she's benefits she's got a kid you know you can't let her go well here's the deal it's a fucking savage world bro it's a fucking savage world and we're about to fucking see that the only thing i would say on that is i think that the person who predicted it best was bill gates and what he said, I think it was a year or two ago, he said that for every job that's replaced by a robot, we should have a tax. And I think that would be something. Or Andrew Yang saying something about universal yeah, income. Andrew because Yang because the reality, yeah, because the reality is some of these people are about to get fucking rocked, dude. And here's the deal: I I love my mom. You know, I love I love older people, right? But they just there's no way they're gonna adapt to where the current predicament's about to go, right? Everyone loves Mary Jo picking up the phone. He's been doing it for four years. But, you know, when shit hits the fan and Mary Jo's expecting a certain amount of money, can you pay Mary Jo or you got to keep the lights on, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the next industrial revolution, like, I feel like out of every candidate, like Andrew Yang really, really hit the head on, you know, really hit it on the head when he actually brought up issues that, like, no one's talking about. But, you know, 20 years down the road, maybe even less, who knows? They're no, gonna, they're think, gonna hit I us think, hard. I think, I think less than five, bro. I mean, you think it's gonna dude, be that the quick? Here's the deal: the, the two most common jobs in America are truck drivers and oh, yeah. administrative reception jobs. Okay, both of those jobs, we have technology to replace them. It's already there. It just had barriers because it needs more oversight. There's been, you know, the the money hasn't made sense to bring it in. And then there's society stigmas of how do you lay off that many people? But when those people get laid off for other reasons, like we're about to experience with the economy, potentially, those people are not going to come back because what's going to happen is those companies are going to say, OK, we laid them off. Instead of bringing this entire workforce back, how do we bring in technology, innovative solutions to disrupt the market, bring our overhead down, increase our profit margins and promote, provide more value to our end users? OK, um, and here's the deal, dude. Everyone's like, well, that sucks. But dude, we live in a fucking horrible world. I, I go to Tijuana every month. Everyone's like, oh, there's a, there's fucking people with no limbs who are wa who are in a wheelchair being wheeled around by like five year olds asking for money. That's in that's 20 minutes south of San Diego, yeah. right across the border. OK, if that's happening, people should realize, you know what? I've had a home my entire life. I have all my limbs. 
I have I had money. I had the opportunity to educate myself. You know what? You have access to fucking YouTube. So stop being a little bitch and go watch YouTube videos and learn a tangible skill or realize your life's gonna fucking suck. End of story. Fucking do something about it. It's all about perspective. I mean, a lot of I mean, I actually did a live stream the other night, right? And I had a lot of these 18, 19, 20 year olds and they came on, they asked for advice on like what they should do in the job market. And they're all spending 25 fucking grand on a useless degree when they could either A, enter the workforce and learn a skill or B, be self-taught. And they would rather spend 25 grand because A, they want to impress their friends and their family and B, you know, they, they have no idea what's coming. I mean, they, they just assume like, this is corporate culture. I'm going to do this. This is what's expected of me. And they refuse to see the other side. Well, dude, I'll tell you what, man. I had so many of my friends I went to engineering school with. I mean, dude, here's the deal. I came out of school making 68 grand. That's not bad when you're 22, 23, right? No. Um, great benefits, you know, three weeks of PTO. But what I found is that by 25, 27, all the millennials were being like, this fucking sucks. Like, I got to wait 50 years of this shit. Yeah. To go live 10 years before I get on Medicare and cancer kills me or I throw out a hip, right? Like, I, I couldn't deal with it, dude. And so a lot but a lot of people, and I'm one of them. I mean, I mean, everybody I know who went to college, they're like, I personally would like um, to walk down the, you know, get my diploma, um, you know, impress my parents. I mean, I went to school for engineering, dude. I, I love nothing more than saying I'm an engineer. What I would tell people, though, is that, I did the engineering thing. I only lasted two and a half. I'm not very corporate. I only lasted two and a half years in corporate America before. I. Oh yeah. I, I don't could, think I could I, do well in that I, setting either. Yeah. So I just could not do it. I had no independence. I, I, I love the travel. I mean, you saw how many flights I, I hit like 60 flights in the last couple of months. Oh, um, I just, I love, I love, I love being on the go. And you know, when I was an engineer, I felt depressed. I feel like I had no purpose. I questioned my decisions in life. I was like, so I have this job where I have to basically beg borrow and steal and hope that they'll fly me to the middle of nowhere so i get a couple days out of the office because this is my routine like dude like seriously like this is the american dream fuck that right but yeah. a lot of people think well i have to go to college just that here's the deal is if you go to college and you learn a tangible skill like an actual tangible skill so one of the things i do when i graduate college is i started this i work with this company called prep and year and i one of the things that i wanted to do for myself is i wanted to prove you know what daniel you learn engineering so i wrote a five thousand page in curriculum i set training coaching i did all that stuff right and i i know engineering you could come to me and i used to take problems on the fly on facebook lives you could go look it up on engineering and training exam.com or the facebook or prep and year i would do engineering problems on the fly facebook live and send it I knew engineering. I learned it. So is my degree completely useless? No. But the reality is no one fucking does those calculations in the real world. And unless I want to be someone's bitch and be a paper pusher in the industrial you know, utilities industry, I'm fucking useless, right? I'm going to be this fat guy who goes to the suburbs, gets balding, has yeah. no life. That was my trajectory, right? Like, fuck that, right? So, you know, but it was scary. And what I would tell those 19-year-olds is that when you're not, it took me until my dad died to really do this, is that the sooner you start to free fall and find yourself and put yourself in extremely uncomfortable situations where you have no situation but to find your breaking point, stress yourself. Here's the deal. is If you want to go fucking watch Netflix for days on end and rot your brain, that's cool. But what I did and what changed my life is I basically got on this routine that for 12 hours a day for two years, all I did was watch YouTube videos, and run marketing experiments with multiple businesses and multiple clients. 
And here's the deal. I maxed out my credit. I went through so much fucking money that when I think about it, it's disgusting. It makes me want to cringe how much money. I cashed all my 401ks. I went through so much money, every dollar I had, just to keep failing. I wanted to keep chasing that failure. And don't get me wrong. It sucks. I still have some. Amex is the, the, the I always say that Amex is great at humbling you, right? When you get that monthly reminder, hey, your minimum payment's due. And you're like, fuck. Well, oh, yeah. now it's like 1000 It used to be like 80 And now you're like, fuck, you know? But because I did that, and I did that from the age of basically 25 until 28. And then last year when I was 29, it all synced up. And so if I was an 18, nine-year-old, you, you don't have kids, you don't have a family, you're probably not married, you don't have a, a high rent. Most of them are fucking living with their mom. You know, when I was in I college, know. dude, when I was 18, 19, I was paying 100 bucks a month. That was my only bill. You know, it was 100 bucks a month, maybe you know, maybe 500 if you include everything possible, right? But it was nothing. You know, you know, we look now, $500 a month when you're 18 seems like a lot. But, you know, the reality is, you know, you have a family, you know, you, you have all a mortgage. Your monthly overhead is probably like three to 4000 right? So you can't – you have to hedge your risk. And so when yep. you have the opportunity to free fall and hit the ground and when you sh- – you're not going to die. If you free fall right now and you don't you don't win on the other end, well then your family loses, your kids don't get food yeah. on the table, right? It's a completely different situation. And so I think people need to start realizing that they need to stop waiting for coaches, mentors, college professors to fucking figure out their life. They need to fucking take accountability for themselves and stop paying fucking life coaches and all these fuckers <laughs> I want to punch in the face I know. who are completely pieces of who are completely pieces of shit. I would fu- I would have fucking curve stomped them. I swear to God. There's such fucking useless pieces of shit. Those people are why our economy is going to go down. Well, I'm a life coach. Blah, blah. You're yeah, fucking a piece I, of shit. All right? You don't you don't mean anything. You don't provide any value. They you know, do I think the first time we met we talked about how they like raid your LinkedIn box. And they, they really do. And it's like, oh, so I took, you know, I, I follow a couple personal finance groups and to see the amount of people that get goaded into this bullshit by the quote unquote coaches or like get rich quick schemes, they oh. really get rich quick. Well, schemes. yeah, I mean, that's what it, they are. Oh, you're going to make, you're going to make 200,000 a year just talking to people and being a life. Well, coach, well, it's, well, like, well it's, it's like, well, everybody is like, oh, wow. So I read Russell Branson's book. I figured out click funnels. I figured out Google AdWords. I can just put together a bullshit training, sell it to people, and make a business off of that. Well, you know what? You might make a couple thousand. You, you definitely get some Vegas money for that. You know, you could definitely go out of town for a little bit, I'm sure, and have a good living. But the reality is that's not long term. And so no, all, all those people are about to get fucking their face punched in by the economy. And that's okay. Right? Um, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine I think with we that. all you know, that's. A, you know, I honestly, I mean, I personally don't like to put myself on a pedestal, but when it comes to digital marketing, SEO, lead generation, I thought about doing a course and I thought it would be just really interesting. And this is, I've been working with my assistant on is basically just saying, you know what? These guys are charging all this money for complete bullshit. I'm going to tell you how I built two fucking bajillion dollar businesses that are international in 15 countries for fucking free. And you could go tell them that they're fucking pieces of shit for me because I would get so much satisfaction out of that because I'm providing value. I'm helping people win. And then all these other guys that need to get punched in the face, they're about to get fucking a right kick to the fucking temple when this recession hits. And I would love nothing more than just say, you know what, even though your market is completely collapsing, I'd like to show you how I do things for free just to fuck you over 10 times more. End of story. I mean, that that would be great. And you know what's funny? You talk about hedging risk. I, I actually, I was listening to a, um, a Gary V lecture a while back and he's like, well, I have kids now. So he's like, I don't bet as much money as possible, but trust me, I'd move in with my parents if I had a chance. 
I always tell my wife, I said, if I didn't have, you know, a kid's and you and the house, I'd probably live in a van and just put all my money into something that I truly love. So it's like, I mean, that's why I'm doing this because long term, who knows what's going to happen? Because Well, here's the deal, dude. It, yeah, the, no one gives a fuck about you except for you when shit hits the fan, dude. Yep. And I fucking learned that when I – I used to work for what was called the fifth best company to work for in America, Fortune Magazine, blah, blah, right? When I blew my knee out and when my dad died, I said, you know what, dude? I just want a little time, bro. Like I got, I'm dealing with a lot right now. My quarter-life crisis is way too real, right? And they didn't give a fuck. They actually like penalized me, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? Okay. But here's the deal. If people realize that your safety net of working for some corporate entity, that when it comes down to it, like I just looked right now, that Goldman Sachs just predicted that for Q2, for GDP growth in the United States for quarter two in 2020, it's going to be negative 5%. You better negative believe that all these companies, rates. negative five, where, where that means recession has begun, right? Yeah. So here's the deal is that when you look at it, all these people, your boss, everyone, what happens when the money disappears? And they're like, well, but you said you'd take care of me. And they're like, well, I don't, I, I can't have money to take care of me. I got to lay you off. You're like, but, but I have a degree. I have an ology degree. I was top of my class. No one gives a fuck, motherfucker. Like when I come in, dude, with my clients and I've trained, I have a couple 24-year-olds, 25-year-olds to work for me. I say, when we come in, we build a fucking website. We do everything. I even tell my clients, I do a lot of healthcare marketing and stuff. I don't even need you to write the content. I'm going to take my background in chemistry, biology. I'll go watch videos. I have biochemistry for dummies. I don't even need you to do it. I provide a turnkey solution that no one else is going to replicate on the fly, right? So take your fucking psychology degree and go tell me what you're going to do that's going to – because, you know, a lot of people, it's funny, in the last week or two, they said, Daniel, you know, I think uh, this is a good opportunity for start working home. Like, what do you recommend I do? I said, I, I recommend you fucking learn a skill to do something from home. Well, I don't know anything about that. I'm like, well, I'm not going to fucking train you. It took me four years. So, like, good luck. I'm ready for this. I've been preparing. I've like been I've been like prepping so hardcore for the recession that now that it's here, the reality is I I could do a five thousand dollar website on the fly and get a client like that. Boom, boom, boom. Because the money is disappearing, but the money is still there, and you've got to find it. And so you've got to be able to provide the best turnkey solutions. And so for digital marketing, what I'm excited for is I basically want to go all these fuckers. You're like, oh, I do this, this. I'm saying, hey, here's the deal. I'm gonna do everything performance based. I don't get paid unless I get results. Who do you think is going to line up to be to get clients when shit hits the fan, when they don't want to pay $10,000 retainers? They'll pay $20,000 when they get results, though, but yep. they don't want to pay $10,000 for a retainer because that's too much of a risk. But if they just made $100,000 and you're getting 20% of, of profits, well, guess what? You just made double that off of one deal potentially, and they weren't out of any money on cash flow whatsoever. They were positive the entire time. Yeah. I mean, why I think your contingency-based strategy – really fits the future, right? I mean, yeah. who, if, if you hit a recession, companies are not going to dish out thousands on something that's not going to pan out. They're just not. And right now we see corporate America is very liberal with their with their wallet. I think that's going to change. I think you're 100% right. Wait. Well, you know, and I think unfortunately what's going to happen I, – so I actually like Bernie Sanders a lot, but there's some things I disagree with him, right? Oh, yeah. Particularly his his views on handouts and socialism. But I do like that I think of all the of all the people who have run for president, he would most likely clean house and get the corruption out to some extent. But the reality is, is that we can't go to a Medicare for all 
or a handout system because there's just not enough money in the system, motherfucker. Okay, you're talking about that. We're we just put 1.2 trillion into the economy. Okay, we're about to have all these major tax cuts because consumer spending is going to go down. We're having you know no one's doing inter any international business right now. We're down on all these fronts. How are we going to pay for everything? That's exactly how the fucking country collapses on itself, right? And I think what happened is that too many people in our society are expected well i i was i take a shit in america every day i deserve this this and this well you know what dude maybe you don't maybe you need to realize that you're a fucking you have no skills and you're actually what we can say i don't know if you're a fan of economics but in yeah. economics if you were to go study some of the graphs they have what's called deadweight loss in microeconomics yes that you actually contribute to the part of the economy that draws down the profitable sectors because you provide absolutely nothing to the economy and you want to be on medicare medicaid you want to not have any skills etc I'm very empathetic to people who are chronically ill, like Lyme disease, mold, paralyzed. There's a reason why those programs are there. But because you want to go fucking, you know, do nothing but sit on your balcony and, you know, just listen to podcasts all day and get paid <laughs> to do that because that's where you're on your life. Well, you should be fucking homeless until you figure your shit out. And I mean, that's how I look at it, dude. I mean, I don't know about you, but I just realized well, there's a lot of people when shit is a fan. I learned at a young age. They don't give a fuck. You're fucked when you're fucked, right? And so if you don't if you don't start moving the needle, then how are you ever going to be able to help the economy overall recover, right? I don't know. I could rant on this all day. I fucking I really you see me on Twitter. I just fucking hate I know. people that you know. I'm I know. About. Well, like people I don't fucking... realize, especially on the left. So like when we talk about in my show, we talk about politics sometimes and business kind of equal. But when we talk about the left, I think something that does that people don't realize is that productivity is what drives taxes. When people are more productive and they make more money, there's more money overall in our system. Therefore, we make more taxes. I mean, a, a single-payer system would, I think, only be possibly... Would only be possible is, is if you could wipe it clean and start all over again, right? Because there's so well, many well, different you, factors that you... I mean, I, it's it's such a bureaucratic well, I, mess. I got I got into a fucking fight with this guy from Canada like oh, a week Lord. ago on Twitter about this. And he was saying, oh, this nice. Well, here's the deal, fucker, okay? I work and breathe in this, and I don't know fucking shit about medicine, really. I don't know anything about medical billing. I'm a fucking business guy, okay? And so you show me one fucking industry that when you remove the competition, how everyone won. If you, I mean, the best theory of economics is, is from Adam Smith, the invisible hand theory, okay? People will always do this in their best interest. And so, I, I mean, here's the deal. I work with people who are on Medicare. They're fucked. OK, Medicare is not the best. You know, oh, I say if you want to talk about Medicare, go talk to any doctor in this country and ask them how well they cash flow and what their profit margins are on Medicare patients. Because here's the deal. Medicine is business. There are doctors who need to get paid. There's lights that need to be kept on. And there has to be cash flow to justify. And don't get me wrong. There's a little there's a little bit too many middlemen in the middle, right? Oh, yeah. But we're, we, what we need is we need like 100 insurance companies to appear with no state boundaries that can compete in all 50 states and just let them fucking crucify each other. And then if United Healthcare is still there, then they are the best, right? But we can't just keep consolidating that Blue Cross Blue Shield buys every competitor that comes to man because that's what happens. Someone comes, oh, I have an idea, whatever. We need like 100 different business models to appear that can generate cash flow and have outcome-based medicine and find ways to smooth out the middleman. 
I mean, I honestly think an insurance company, if I had, and I, I actually have talked to a couple of companies on this from the medical billing perspective, is to come up with blockchain solutions and almost like crypto type currency for healthcare, which I know really? is already out there. Oh. And actually, and actually say, you know what? We're going to remove the human greed factor. We're going to create an algorithm of reimbursements based on patient outcomes. And we're going to create it based on what actually works, right? So you'd actually find that maybe, I don't know, if we actually had, you know, so I, my, my wife and I, we're a big proponent of a uh, plant-based diet, okay? Um, I'm not 100% vegan, but she's, she's uh, 100% vegan. So, you know, we're, we're over here in prep mode for the quarantine of the apocalypse. And we have like pretty much everything is plant-based, you know? And, you know, it would be interesting is to say, well, maybe, maybe if you keep getting cancer, you should change your diet. I don't know, but instead, when someone has cancer, and it's it's been proven that glucose and sugar feeds cancer cells and helps them grow faster, why are we giving out candy in the chemo and IV room, okay, like infusion room? Like, why are we doing that when maybe what we should be doing is actually, um, you know, actually educating people on maybe you should go on a, you know, I do green smoothies a lot, so I actually am a big, like, I, I went on a big healthcare journey the last like year or two i lost like 60 pounds you know cleaned up my health meditate flip i you probably see me on twitter i do a float yeah. tank every day in denver um and like it's like why aren't we trying to adapt all that because you know i i went to a doctor uh before then and he said you know you've got high cholesterol you're gonna do this and that you need to make some diet you know some minor changes but over that you're pretty healthy i'm like dude i am sick as fuck right now like you look at me how the fuck can you tell me that i'm healthy because of a blood test Right. And, um, you know, that reality of like, well, we just we all why are we waiting to get cancer or an autoimmune disease or for something to happen when maybe we need to be looking at, you know, why are we exposing ourselves to so much black mold? Why are we eating such a horrible diet? Um, you know, why are we doing this and that? And it just it's just fucking crazy, man. You know, and then so I, 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 I this tangent can go on. But, you know, when you look at alternative integrative medicine, you know, let's talk about cancer real quick. You know, the average person who does chemo and let's talk about Medicare because my friend in Canada seemed to know it all. Here's the deal, fucker. OK. And Medicare is the only insurance company that's not allowed to negotiate discounts with pharmaceutical companies. I don't know. That sounds a little corrupt to me. So you're yeah, telling me if was. we just remove all the competition that that's that that's going to make it better. Right. Um and so, like, you know, chemo, Medicare will cover a quarter million dollars in chemo drugs, but they won't cover $150 vitamin C IV, which has been proven to boost the immune system, to help with, um, you know, the side effects of cancer and make that patient feel better. Why the fuck aren't we incorporating that? But we're going to go bill a quarter million dollars in chemo and we won't try any integrative therapy such as hyperthermia, which if, there's plenty of white papers on by uh, online that hyperthermia is actually one of the most effective treatments for chemotherapy for for cancer but who do you think wants to get their fucking money those pharmaceutical companies yeah. dude you know and so i mean i mean let's be real here we've all seen the matrix we're living in the matrix and so like i i, I know i sound fucking crazy and everyone thinks i'm crazy dude i i love being the crazy one because i feel like in 10 years i'm gonna be fucking laughing just like gary v says dude i literally have just been preparing preparing for healthcare to just completely shit the bed and coronavirus might be the thing that helps it just officially shit the bed and just gets yeah. us where we need to be, uh, you know, with moving forward. I mean, it was, it was on like very unstable legs to begin with. I think it just needed that push and coronavirus was that push. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back, but I mean, you talked a lot about, um, basically like 
you know, Canada, single payer, Medicare, and Medicare rates are not that high. They don't really pay very high rates for um they're the lowest doctors lose money taking medicare but they have to because so many people are on it and they're like well i want to be empathetic but you know the you know i talk to these patients okay and so everyone's like oh this that i'm telling you fuck you all you people on the front lines that talk to patients i talk to patients and medical providers the reality is is the numbers have to make fucking sense and so i'm sorry that a single mom you know blah 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 i'm empathetic for that but here's the deal Medicare doesn't pay these doctors enough money to do this. So what we need to do, we need to realize is that doctor is going to probably treat that single mom because they took a Hippocratic oath and that single mom is going to be taken care of. But what happens is if we shift the entire system away from private payers, reimbursement rates are not going to go up. What's going to happen is you're going to usher in the age of cash-based medicine. And what's going to happen is the rich are only going to be the ones who get better. And we're actually going to create a a socioeconomical condition, in my opinion, where because we're trying to help people and force doctors to take Medicare, more doctors will say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I've got I've got this overhead. I've got malpractice. I've got student loans. I can't fucking I can't fucking take Medicare anymore. It doesn't pay the bills. And they're going to see a mass exodus. And that is why so many of the doctors I work with. And so when I talk to people and they say cash based medicine is crazy. I built the fucking business on this, okay? I just had 500% growth. My business is absolutely killing it right now because so many patients and providers are going to cash-based medicine because they wanted patients want to get better and providers are sick of having to do treatments based on insurance reimbursements and how the insurance wants things done. They want to – it's a shift. It's a migration. And so, yes, my friend in Canada who thinks, oh, this and that, here's the deal, bro. I know you used to be a social worker and you used to probably, like, you know, talk to people on the front end. Here's the deal. On the back end, it has to be business. I don't know anything about medical billing. I don't know anything about healthcare. I'm a business guy. And when I see when numbers look fucked because I'm an engineer, I like to look at statistical analysis algorithms. Let's take more data points. Let's look for more correlations, more R values, and actually let numbers justify things versus people with bullshitology degrees that don't know what the fuck they're talking about and think that because they went to college, they know anything, and all they did was ever just look at the fucking back of the textbook for the answers or get the old exams when they took their exams, and how that's how they got their fucking college degree. Yeah, I mean, that that's the problem. When you, know, when, when you have that test-based culture where it's like, so I have a piece of paper, so therefore I'm legitimate – and you don't actually contribute value to anything, not even the economy, just the workforce in general. I mean, well, it's, it's so it's so funny because I have so many of my friends, you know, so I, I I'm very well educated. I mean, I'm not a stupid guy. Like I had like a three point six engineering GPA. I was top of my class. I did all that shit, dude. I did all of that. I went to University of Florida, top 20 engineering school. I was I was making like before I even graduated, I was making $50 an hour overseeing engineering. OK, as be, as a student, like I was on top of my game. But here's the reality is, is so many people realize that in corporate America, even the best. So let's say a, a phenomenal top like the way I was going, I was maybe going to make 120, 140 tops at one point. Well, that's, that's a lot of money. That's great. If you like that. Right. But how much time do you have? If you're someone's bitch, 40, 50, yeah. 60 hours a week. You can't do anything. OK, Um you know, it's very, very humbling as I have friends. Oh, I got my MBA, blah, blah. I said, cool, bro. So you got your MBA. You must be better at business than I am, right? You know, and I say, here's the deal. I'll bring you on to my agency because I don't pay people hourly or on salary. I pay them on fucking results. So I said, here's the deal, dude. You have all these degrees. I have had friends who went to coding school. All I need you to do is show me once that you can do something on your own and get results and I'll pay you. That's it. 
I'm just not going to give you the playbook. I need you to figure it out. And they all fail, dude. The people I find are the hungriest are the ones who've hit rock bottom in their life. Um, you know, they, they've had certain situations. They've been fucked by life. And they realize, you know what, Daniel, you're right. Like, I need to just figure it out. And I say, here's the deal. You don't need to go to these bullshit coding schools. You don't need to go to college. You have fucking YouTube and Udemy. And if you spent $1,000 between the two of those, you would have more knowledge than every college combined. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's more. No- I mean, it's just it's just insane. There's even but apps. I get there. it. There's apps out there now. What you like, uh, there's apps out there now for coding, like Grasshopper and all that. I don't know how good they are, but I mean, well, here's free. the deal, dude. Every, everyone everyone thinks that they need to learn all this coding. Okay, I I so I I charge a lot of times ten thousand dollars for a website. Okay, I have I have brought in two people under my wing, um, and I've trained them. And you know what's really crazy is for a $10,000 website, you actually don't even need to do any coding. You can just use a front-end drag-and-drop page builder. I recommend Astro Pro Theme and, Power- and Beaver Builder page builder. You can learn it in less than a month, okay, and be charging $2,000 for a website within 60 days. $2,000 is pretty much what I brought home every two weeks when I was an engineer because of all taxes, blah, blah. So now you're getting $2,000 for a website. I could knock out a $10,000 website in 48 hours. Okay. Wow. 48 hours. That's it. And I could do the whole thing. And so, um, you know, I was just at a roofing conference lately, uh, a couple weeks ago and people thought I was crazy. And I said, no, here's the deal. $7,500 coming with $7,500 cash. I'm giving 25% discount same day website for roofing people don't believe me but when you get your system in place dude i am fucking feeling so gucci about the economy and recession right now when everyone's climbing down here's the deal is if you provide actual value or service and you're not completely full of shit and you're not someone that people want to kick in the mouth because you call yourself a mentor or coach you're gonna actually come out ahead okay but if you're someone who's yeah exactly yeah that's crazy uh I mean, I I can't believe you were at a roofing conference. <laughs> that must have been exhilarating, yeah, yeah. man. Um, yeah. I mean, to- yeah. So I'm I'm all over the place, dude. I'm in like I, I don't even know how many industries I'm in, dude. And that's what I'm saying is that when you have a skill, and my skill is bringing leads to the table. Who doesn't want more leads? That's what the whole. That's how businesses generate, dude. So whether it's whether it's a chiropractic business or a roofing company. Or uh, uh, you know a medical provider. Everyone needs people they can charge to to do their service, right? And so if you actually tangibly bring them leads that generate them revenue, you're going to be living like a king no matter what happens in the economy because you're the ones that keep those small businesses running no matter what. Oh, that's crazy. And I actually think yeah. people underestimate the front end of things, the leads, getting people from point A to point B, you know, like I, I have a coworker runs a small coffee shop business. They do pretty well on marketing, but he basically entrusts it to employees that know more about it than him. I think every single business owner should be, should know something about social media and how it works. And they should be well, able no, to know no, websites. No one knows. The, no one knows their. No one knows their demographic better than the business owner. Typically, okay. That's true. And no one is more vested than the guy at the top, right? So if you have the girl who's a barista, and hey, don't get me wrong, I love, I love an iced americano, extra espresso shot. Got one today. I live on caffeine, okay? 
But here's the deal is how vested is that 25 year old millennial girl who's probably a hippie working at the coffee shop to do marketing for the business that supplies the bill, the, the financial means for like a hundred people. Right. Wow. And so, it, you know, so, I mean, that's how I look at it. And so, but here's the honesty is that I don't think most business owners are capable of handling where technology is. And so what they need to realize is stop being such cheap fucks and pay marketing people who are good and get them a result and take care of them. And they'll come out ahead. But if you want to be cheap with your marketing guy, do like I've had some people like that. I got them results and they said, you know what, Daniel, I, I can't pay you more than $500. I'm like, bro, I just got you 200 leads, dude, 200 leads. And you want to pay me $500 a month. This isn't even worth my fucking time. You know, like I flex on you and that's what your offer comes out. Time to go to your competitors, dude. You know, and that actually happened to be a Homer modeling client. So he's about to actually just completely eat shit, dude. You know, so, you know, I mean, he's fucked, you know, but here's the deal. If he had taken care of me and I was charging him just ROI, we would still be going after the small deals. Right. But yeah. I don't want anything to do with the business owner like that, because when it was good times and I was getting him results, he didn't take care of me. I want to go to, I want to get to people who are going to take care of me right now, you know, um, because I feel so confident in my skill set. Like I just had, I've had three, I've actually had three people come to me for proposals since the economy crashed to say, how do we take advantage of this, Daniel, and get people into our ecosystem? I'm ready to come in with 10, 15 grand cash. Wow. Okay. You know, and this is, this Crazy. is when the market collapsed this week. This is like literally 40 minutes ago. I just got a phone call. I mean, have you noticed since, uh, I mean, since the Dow Jones took a hit, have you noticed an increased amount of phone calls for marketing? I've, I've, so for medical bill gurus, so I have, I have basically two recession proof businesses is what I say. I help people get money back for medical bills that they don't want to incur anyways. And so there's still going to be medical bills no matter what. Oh, yeah. Right. So if any, so if anything, medical bill gurus is about to take off part two. Um, but for marketing, because I have, so I always like to tell people I built my entire agency. I didn't have a website for my agency up until two weeks ago. Okay. So everything I've done for marketing was about my own website. It was just people seeing me get results and seeing me flex so hard with other clients that I'd be like, hey, here's the deal, dude. You want front page of Google? I'll do it for free, but I want a percentage of profit. So like, oh, blah, blah. I was like, go ask that guy. I did it for him. And they'd be like, for real? I said, yeah. But cool. If you're going to go pay this guy $1,000 a month because that's in your best interest, that's cool. I tell you, my fucking cost is $1,000 a month. I still got to make my money. So how the hell is this guy doing it for a fraction of the cost? And getting his profit margins, it's because he's doing it fucking the cheap way and he's not getting you the results you need. You want someone who's going to fucking get you results. And when people want results, they will pay for more results regardless of where the economy is. But I'll tell you right now, I'm only 30. This is my first recession. So, I mean, I'm going into this confident. I could completely make them ask myself. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But I feel pretty good that I have a skill set that is recession proof. You know, what I will say will fuck everything is if we're in a nationwide quarantine and people can't travel domestically, international, that is going to really hamper a lot of things. Oh, yeah. um, and so, you know, that's why e-commerce, we may see the age, but here's the deal. I think people are going to really pull back on spending. So even e-commerce, people are going to be like spending like it's Black Friday because they're going to be, you know, tightening up on the pocketbook. Well, I put out a poll um, a while ago to Twitter asking Twitter users if um, the coronavirus is going to encourage companies to do more remote work. And most people think that's the case. I mean, I would hope that's the case, but you're right. People are not going to be spending money. And I thought it was interesting. I, I was listening to someone that was quarantined in Spain with the coronavirus and they said, well, Amazon is still working here. So, I mean, we can still get stuff from Amazon, but it's like, 
how long is that gonna how long is that gonna last? I mean, if spending is being pulled back for consumers, I mean, eventually e-commerce is gonna take a hit down the road. Um, I don't know. Well, what I was so I would so I would I would rebuttal with that with two things, right? Yeah. Is first of all, you got to think. Uh, Jeff Bezos has been preparing for this type of situation for a minute, right? And so the reality here is that we're not like in an Ebola outbreak or smallpox outbreak where everyone's fucking dying or there's zombies running around, right? True, true. It's there's still going to be some healthy people. I mean, after, not. I mean, most people are going to be healthy, right? It's not like everybody's going to get sick and start coughing at the same time. There are always going to be delivery drivers, and you better believe that people are still going to need groceries you know, different things, toiletries, like, so I'll be honest, like, so I, um, when, when I saw that there was a run in Denver on supplies and stuff, you know, I'm like thinking, well, I got to still have food, man. You know, I mean, we're still going to drink water, et cetera. Toilet paper is always the thing. So when everyone's freaking out, I went and bought like, you know, a bunch of toilet paper on Amazon. And I told like five of my friends who freaked out, I said, Hey, I'm just going to give you some, I bought like twenty dollars worth which is more than we need right but amazon delivered it within is going to deliver it right now within like 24 hours amazon prime now so i think what's going to happen is you're going to actually see that you may see a death blow to places like macy's and and jc penny for sure they're fucked right they are fucked no one no one is going to be buying high-end items across the board right now and they're definitely not going to a fucking mall i don't know if you malls are going to malls are going to die yeah, I mean, it's it's funny how all these like brick and mortar high end clothing stores are trying to like stay relevant. It it it's really interesting. Like, oh, we're gonna accept Amazon returns, and that's gonna that's gonna bring us those people that are going online. It's not. <laughs> I and, well, and if people well, don't so leave I their think, house, I, I mean, think I think what you're gonna see happen here is Amazon is going to get market share with people realizing I don't need to go to the grocery store. I no. can have Amazon deliver that too. Yeah. And in DoorDash, Uber Eats. I mean, we live in a self-service economy. And so for the first time, people are going to have to rely on technology to bring them goods and services to their place of residency. And that will be interesting because that will be another, in my in my opinion, catalyst or turning point to usher in that fourth industrial revolution. Because you know, DoorDash. If you, I'm a big DoorDash guy, so I don't know if you ever saw on my Twitter, but um, I used to troll DoorDash a lot because I uh, I set up this website called Free Food Hacks. So if you Google DoorDash referral code, I think it's still number four on the front page of Google. But I would get I got like thirty thousand dollars in credits from them, and so me and my wife would get like unlimited free food. And so going back to that death spiral one of the things i did is i found ways to monetize and practice digital marketing to get free uber rides doordash uber eats grubhub uh cluster truck etc get ranked front page of google get that and that's thirty thousand dollars that i don't have to spend on food right but going back to doordash they actually have robots that can deliver food that they've done in san francisco so if there was a full-on apocalypse doordash the government for all we know fema could contract doordash to use their robots to deliver meals ready to eat to every person without ever having to physically touch anybody i know isn't, isn't that crazy how i mean yeah who would have thought that would have existed even i was actually talking about this with my kids and i said you guys live in a crazy age i mean you literally can do anything and make money i mean <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like you think about it when, when, when I was in high school, like having a job at like McDonald's was like the goal for a lot of high school kids. No, yeah. you could make money online. And I told the kids you could resell stuff online. You could, 
you could learn how to do stuff through YouTube and reuse it. Like it's crazy. It, it's crazy how much has, it's changed in 10 years from 2010 to 2020 where I am now from when I graduated high school to where I am now. It's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. Well, so, well, yeah, I mean, I used to work at a grocery store and I thought I was yeah. the king of the hill because I was making 12 bucks an hour. You, you were know? like, and hell yeah, my first bit, groceries. The first, the first time I ever made money was I was in high school. I used to flip textbooks. And oh, so I went to business. a private school. And so they would charge people for their textbooks and then undercut them on the back end. Well, I realized that that AP bio book that they gave them 50 bucks for, I could sell that for 300 on half.com. If you remember half.com and eBay and all back in yeah. the day. And so I was making 500 to $1,000 a week when I was 16. And man, did I feel like I was the man, you know, in the parking lot on the high school, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, that, you know, moments like that. And I think, and that goes back to my, my opinion. I said that people need to get into, so unfortunately when I was 16, my family really needed money, man, you know? And so, you know, if I hadn't been put into a situation where I felt overwhelmed, had panic attacks, melted down, you know, was having this horrible time when I was 16, that people consider a nightmare. And at the time it was the worst feeling of my entire life, the most helpless feeling that, that hopelessness, that feeling of like, wow, this is so bad, but I was only 16. And now it's a blessing because I look back on that and I say, you know what? I figured out how to use the internet to make $500 a month when I was 16, right? Before Facebook, before Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Mess up a little props here. Right. So, you know, when people say they struggle, I say, you just fucking suck and have no skill. I'm sorry. Figure and you it out. You have a phone you know in your saying? hand. You have a. You literally can bring it anywhere you go. You can make money sitting on that bus ride or that, uh, or that train ride home. Or it's 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 people that waste their time on dumb shit that don't put it towards actually building themselves up. Whether it's health, whether it's business, finances, whether it's actual skill set as a human being, people are more concerned about blinding numbing pleasure than they are with work i i, I think that's well, the crux of it and they're entitled they well, literally have it at their well, fingertips and they, and, and they and they would rather they would rather go watch netflix or 90 day fiance and be, i need fiance. to relax this is what i do <laughs> well i so say here's the deal if you want to do that you get to have the life of someone who does that if yeah. you want to have the life of someone who travels or does this not, you got to have a fucking skill set, right? And so I have a lot of people because I love my life. I absolutely adore my life every day. I travel most of the time when there's not an apocalypse. Um, I go to Mexico every month. I go to Florida every month. I go to Arizona every month. I go to LA. I go to San. I mean, I love my life. I travel. And people are like, how did you do that, Daniel? I taught myself how to fucking generate leads for any business within 48 hours, okay? That's really hard to do. So businesses really like that skill, though, because it makes them money. So they pay me well, okay? So if you don't have a skill like that, don't expect to fucking do that. And don't be like, oh, I wish I could do that. Well, you wish you could do that because you have a fucking brain. You have two arms. You have two legs. You're just a lazy piece of shit that has more time logged into YouTube watching fucking Netflix and some bullshit shows than you do on anything else in your life. And that's the reality. And that's most people in America, unfortunately. I know. I, I had a conversation with someone and they were like, oh, why don't you just, like, spend all your money on, like, new new phones or new this, new that? I said, no. I mean, I everything I do, I self-improve, What you know, whether it's my podcast or, you know, I, I learn languages in my spare time. And, like, I would rather improve myself than sit there and be stagnant. And I feel like I don't know how to get that through to people because, you know, it's you have to flip the switch. And, like, with you, you said it was 
you know, watching watching a, a YouTube video, right, of Gary Vee, right? That well, flipped yeah. your switch. Well, 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 yeah, it did, you know, but well, here's the deal. Is I tell people, I say, you know, they're like, what training do you recommend? I don't recommend training. The number one thing I've learned from is watching YouTube because yeah. I'm a nerd. I love, I love statistical analysis, numerical methods of a bunch of really overweight guys who are in their basement – probably smoking a little weed if I had a guess, just looking at the thing, right? Because we're judgment-free. Um, and they're just talking about SEO algorithms, right? And they're talking about all the experiments that they ran. And I'm like, here's the deal. I learned from failures and experiments. And so that's why I tell people, I say, if you want to go follow this guy's playbook on how to do lead gen training, that's not how you learn. Where I found the best success is just pioneering on my dollar, on my failures, different ways to do things online and i use a tool called lucky orange and so what i did for medical bill gurus i'll tell you is i, I remember buying the domain and there's nothing more humbling than me right now from a digital marketing and medical and a business owner standpoint is remember buying that domain and getting the logo done and then watching every day video recordings of everybody came to the website and tweaking things nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And so over four years, I literally learned my user customer journey map to the point where I can tell you what they fucking click on, what they do, and then how they sign up and then have an automated email, an automated chat bot with another automated email and another automated email. And I have a customer who sent me everything and has a relationship with me before I even know they existed in this universe. That is my skill that I practice. Took me four years, okay? And so I tell people, I say, well, here's the deal. Well, the recession just hit, should hit the fan. You're not gonna, you, you shouldn't have been fucking being a piece of shit for so many years then and not learn any tangible skills. The only skills that I think are gonna be very valuable here in the next couple of years, there's two types, okay? Well, there's three, I'd say, right? The first one is human touch. No one's ever gonna wanna hire a nanny that's a robot. No. They're always going to want a human touch. They're all, you're always going to want a teacher that's a person to teach your children. You're always going to want a nurse. You're always yep. going to want a doctor. You don't want people who can physically have a human touch and need empathy because there's no algorithm that I know of with machine learning and, and, you, know, and, and, and you know personifying data that will teach a machine empathy, right? And so you want a human touch when your baby's being held by a nanny, right? Yep. Um, et cetera. The other one is technical, right? So we're always going to need technical workers for coding, you know, creating the algorithms, the equipment. Sales guys are the other one, right? Those are the three most tangible things, as well as, let's say, you know, blue collar skills, technical trade skills are always going to be needed, but those could be replaced potentially, right? But if you have a human yep. touch and you, you have technical or you're a great sales guy, those are always going to be in high demand. So learn one of those. But if you're going to do sales, don't be a fucker that I want to go punch in the face. Because I can send you screenshots. I could send you I, – I started doing a thing, and everybody hated it on LinkedIn. I was like, shame. Where I would be like – I would call it the, the LinkedIn Hall of Shame. Oh, man. And I would just screenshot the fucking messages I would get. And I, would, I, I, I had some people I'd message them and be like, I'll be honest. I think your fucking product sucks. I'm like, why do you say that? And they'd be like, it's so butthurt. I'm like, well, you shouldn't be messaging me. I'm just being oh honest. My God. I know people like cold outreach, but here's the deal. When there's cold outreach, you're trying to take my time. If I give you my time and you don't like it, don't fucking ask for it. Don't fucking message me about your bullshit product or service or your fucking coaching program. My favorite, my favorite are the fuckers who, who message me about doing digital marketing and SEO. <laughs> and I don't pretend like I have any SEO background. <laughs> Or because they didn't look at my profile. If you look at my profile, it's obviously digital marketing, they right? Just, they just send and you a message. Yeah, and so I start asking them questions, and then I actually end up stumping them. And they're like, "How do you know this?" And I'm like, "I do this." And then it ends up being they want to work for me. I'm like, "I don't, I don't want to pay you. I think you're a piece of shit." <laughs> but just wanted, just wanted you to know how I thought of you. 
you know, oh, I know, that, you know, you probably think I'm a fucker, but just saying, you know, just saying so. No, no, I, I think you, I think that's a, uh, a much needed public service. Well, yeah, yeah. I, well, this has been a very good conversation and I kind of want to wrap it up. Um, yeah. So if you had one piece of advice out there for somebody listening to this, someone who's sick of the rat race, quote unquote, right? Someone that doesn't yeah. know what makes them happy, someone that wants to deploy empathy, what would you tell them? That they need to learn an actual skill and be real about that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that the number one thing that I think our society lacks and that where we've been misguided by corporate America, our education system, is giving out handouts and participation trophies like Gary Vee always says, right? Is that people need to learn an actual skill that can produce value and results for people and then deploy empathy to realize, you know what, they are winning, right? Because so many people, why I say empathy is so many people think that someone else is winning and you're like, dude, you just fucking rape them with this invoice. They got no results, no ROI. And you think they're happy. How do you ever expect to win like that? Right. But when you, like I always, that's always go back to how I try and design all my businesses on contingency and performance of results is you will find that if you give people results with that, with hedging the risk for them and guaranteeing them success or failure, but either way, you're going to be aligned with them. They're like, wow, this is trust. This is value. Right. And when you win with them, they'll actually overpay you. Right. Because you provide a tangible skill that generates something for them. Right. And so I challenge everybody who's listening to this. Right. And look at this. Right. Is look back at what your skill set is and what what could you walk up to someone and offer that no one else could that they would want to pay for or they would feel value in receiving that product, service or good, whatever it may be. Okay, so like that, whatever that may be, digital marketing is how I talk about it. But there's so many other skills, and I always like to give credit to the people who think of the other side of their brain that are better with people, that are better with uh, the artistic, the creative. Here's the deal. If you're an artist, you're a painter, you know, no one's probably going to go buy a sponge of money in art right now, right? But what is a skill you could provide to someone that would make them want to pay? If all you can do is paint and sell your stuff, then you'd be a phenomenal salesperson, right? Or be realistic with yourself that your art is a skill that's very valuable, but it's not something that's going to pay your bills, right? And have those come to God moments earlier on in your life and learn to fail or sooner than later so you can hit rock bottom to go, you know, try to, you know, conquer the, the mountains at some point, you know, so. Wow. I mean, I actually... The, that actually that tidbit of advice i'm actually gonna i'm gonna give that advice to someone tonight to help them through something that they're going through right now because he's yeah, actually yeah. an artist he lost his brother um, a couple of weeks ago and he just quit yeah, his, man, just quit it, his job and now he's just like i'm just gonna do what i want and it took a death to make him flip that switch well here's the here's the deal i think that the creativeness and you know going through things like, like that like so i'm a big i actually used to be someone that hated music and hated art. And I found that when I incorporated the creative side of things and what those people bring to the table, I actually found true success in what I do because I actually am obsessed with music now. And so what, one of the things I'm trying to do is I like, I actually, in my client here, I brought local artists in. And so I think artists have a huge place in this. Yeah. I just think that they need to be realistic that until you have the skill brand a portfolio to monetize things properly, you have to find a way to keep yourself afloat and not just hit rock bottom. I know. I, I wish artists would be more practical, but they're artists, right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's why they're like, I, know, I live right? in Denver, man. There's plenty of people like, Oh yeah. Here, so. Actually, you know, what's crazy. 
And before we leave, I just want to say there is a band in Denver area, in the Denver area. Um, they're called Technicolor Riots. And uh, actually my friend, he's the drummer for them. He's self-taught as a drummer. And uh, I think they're playing at, uh, what is it, the Red – it's Red something. It's big in Denver. Red, Red. The Red Rocks Amphitheater. Yeah, Rocks they're playing Amphitheater. there. Yeah, so, I mean, that's crazy. I, and he actually moved there to be an artist. So I get Denver is probably a new hub of artistry, like Portland, except it's God knows how many well, people well, at level. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal about Denver, and I'll, I'll give a little shout out to Denver here. So, um, you know, when I quit my engineering job, I could have moved anywhere with my family, anywhere in the country, right? Um, but we found that Denver, which is somewhere I really resonated with, we both resonated with, with the art district, the the feeling of you know being in this you know changing, very liberal, but still fiscally conservative city. Yep. Okay, but Denver is the number one city in the country, to my knowledge. That is that has the most college-educated millennials who work for themselves, and so the majority demographic in Denver is people between the ages I think of 24 to like 35 that are millennials. Okay, they want to come here. Obviously, there's legal cannabis, uh, but it's a oh, great yeah. place. And so I loved it because all I do is work from coffee shops, and so you, you find a lot of people in Denver just kind of come here because they don't want any real true structure. They just kind of want to float around, um, and that's very much the millennial lifestyle. And I I personally relate to that very much myself. Shout out to the Mile High City. Um, That's right, man. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm originally from Milwaukee, um, which I think is trying to form some sense of identity in that respect as well. Um, But um, it's truly been a a pleasure, uh, Daniel. Like, it's really been eye-opening for me. I've learned more about the deeper sense of the economy and business than I have ever gotten. So I really appreciate the value you just gave me. So yeah. I, I hope that we can bring that value to more people and make them realize that this, this, uh, this dream that they're living, it's, it's about to shatter and change and they might not like it. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed having you on. We're going to have to do it again. Um, so, um, everybody. So this is Daniel Lynch. Once again, he, uh, he's a fantastic entrepreneur. And I suggest that you, you check him out. You follow him on Twitter. Uh, what's your Twitter ha- uh, handle, Daniel? Ambitious underscore Lynch. Ambitious underscore Lynch. You need to follow him. You need to uh, learn from him. He's very entertaining to follow. And he's very insightful. <laughs> <laughs> entertaining, I say, because, you know, you're always so damn happy, you know. Yeah, um, I am a very happy individual. Very happy individual. Yeah, I enjoy the videos where you're just driving happy. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I do. I do. I do. Lo- I do love those Mustangs. I know. <laughs> um, so I hope everyone enjoys this, Daniel. I hope you have a great night with your uh, with your wife out in Denver. And um, yeah, yeah. So everyone, um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and uh, we're available on more platforms than we were before. So thank you. Yeah. Have a good night. All right. Sounds good. It was great. It was great chat with you. Have a great night. Yeah. See you, Daniel. See ya. Bye. What's up, guys? I hope you enjoyed that interview. Please make sure to follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. And we're soon going to be on Stitcher and Apple. Leave us a review. Make sure to follow us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, everything. Thank you. Have a good day. Make sure you follow and subscribe. See ya.